Drive time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now, here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Massive COVID camps in China. We reported on that. But there's so much going on there. The economy, the power, uh, the power outages that are going across China, which is laying off thousands of workers, which is infecting our economy here because we have given them everything to manufacture on our behalf. The uh, the Taiwan situation. There was a, a fire there yesterday. Forty six people lost their lives. It's a. Uh, it's an incredibly struggling situation going on in China. So we're going to be talking to Tiffany Meyer from China in Focus coming up at 15 past the hour to get the latest on what is going on with the economy, is war on the horizon, these COVID camps, and so much more coming up with Tiffany Meyer from China in Focus. At uh, 35 past the hour, we're going to play for you our conversation with Henry Sear. He wrote the book, The Dictator Pope. And in that book, Chapter 5, He details the apostolic visitation on the uh, Franciscan Friars of the Immaculate, especially in light of the recent announcement of the apostolic visitations of several religious communities here in the United States. We felt that this was an important conversation to have to sort of detail what happened to the Franciscan Friars of the Immaculate and what could possibly happen to some of these others, like these poor Clares in Pennsylvania, for example. So there's going to be a great conversation in this first hour today. We're very excited about uh, your being on with us today. So do us a favor and make sure to share this with a friend, and uh, we'd be very grateful to you. Speaking of devastations and crazy things, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. Good morning, good morning. It's good to be here. Praise be to God, is it? It is good to be here. You know, I was just thinking, despite the destruction of religious communities all over the world, it's Mm -hmm. still good to be here. (laughs) In spite of it all. In spite of it all. In spite of it all. Well, praise be to God for that. Hey, good news. Uh, I am going to go to the the men's march, the National Men's March to End Abortion uh, this year. It's going to be up in Baltimore on November the 15th, and I will be there. So if you know a guy, a knucklehead, as I like to say, Uh, This may be a great opportunity to get guys together to pray uh, together to end abortion. We're going to be praying and and giving some talks right out in front of this Planned Parenthood uh, facility in Baltimore, November the 15th. You can go to themensmarch.com for details, but I'm looking forward to being there. In fact, we'll be doing, I'll be doing the show remotely on the 15th and the 16th, I believe, before heading back to Houston, Texas. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Henry Sierra was a good conversation, right, Adrian? Absolutely. Unfortunately, the worst part about this interview is that you will not be able to hear the whole thing. So if you want to hear the entire interview, which will be after the show, it's going to be on all of our social media sites, which is about almost an hour long interview where our CDT insiders got first crack at it about a week ago, actually exactly a week ago. Um, but now uh, we're only going to play about 20 minutes of the interview today. If you want to hear the rest of the interview, that will be on our YouTube channels, Facebook, Rumble, etc. Uh, so you have to look that up, Catholic Drive Time, or go to our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT, and you can find it there. All right. Well, praise be to God. 
What we're going to do is we have uh, breaking news and stories for you. We have Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day, and then we'll do a little bit of a reflection, and then we go to break and we come back with Tiffany Meyer from China in Focus to get the latest information on what is going on with, with China. You know, these war games near Taiwan... They make me a little nervous. There's a lot of people uh, in a very short amount of uh, space and time, and guns are involved. So uh, who knows what could happen, but we'll get the latest information from Tiffany Meyer. And then, as I said, Henry Sears is going to be our guest at 35 past the hour. Let's pray. Let's dive in and get started. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection implored thy help or sought thine intercession, was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now your headlines. Epic Times reports police hunt woman for paint attack on cathedral in Denver. Just minutes before the start of early morning Sunday Mass on the October the 10th, a lone vandal believed to be a woman attacked the 125-year-old Cathedral Basilica of the Immaculate Conception in Denver, spraying it with offensive graffiti. Written in bright red spray paint, the messages read, Satan lives here. Jesus was here. KKK, Illuminati, white supremacists. The vandals also painted swastikas on the gilded front door of the historic church. Horrible things, said Father Samuel Moorhead, who photographed the damage for the city police. It was all over the front and the sides of the cathedral building, steps and sidewalk, Moorhead told the Epic Times. Father Moorhead said it was the third instance of vandalism against the church in three months and the worst he'd seen. It was pretty brazen, he said. The police have a pretty good lead, though. He said police are reviewing surveillance video which shows what appears to be a woman acting alone. Denver police traced the woman's vehicle driving out of town. At least one person witnessed the incident. Denver police told the Epic Times the investigation remains ongoing and that no arrests have been made at this time. The Telegraph reports the World Health Organization reveals new COVID origins team as China uh, analyzes blood banks. A new team of experts, including a Chinese scientist from the Beijing Institute of Genomics, has been appointed by the World Health Organization today to pin down the origins of SARS-CoV-2 and the future disease X. The group's first task will be to try to get the WHO's original investigation into the Wuhan outbreak back on track after the original team became bogged down in international politics and accusations of bias. Preempting the WHO announcement by just mere minutes, China has said it will analyze up to 200,000 samples held in blood banks for traces of COVID, a long-standing demand of the WHO and international community. Scientists say the blood samples from 2019 could shine light on the origins of the virus as the blood samples are marked by date and location. Although China said it would do the analysis, it said it would not allow foreign scientists to see the data for themselves. Rudders reports, U.S. judge restrains United Airlines from placing employees receiving COVID-19 vaccine exemptions on unpaid leave. 
A U.S. judge in Texas on Tuesday temporarily restrained United Airlines from placing any employee on unpaid leave who received religious exemptions from the company for COVID-19 vaccinations until October the 26th. The judge also temporarily restrained the airline from denying any late requests for religious or medical accommodations. The Associated Press is reporting that Social Security is about to get its largest bump in decades. Millions of retirees on Social Security will get a 5.9% boost in benefits for 2022, the biggest cost of living adjustment in 39 years following a burst of inflation as the economy struggles to shake off the drag of the coronavirus pandemic. And the National Catholic Register uh, says John Paul I, the smiling Pope, to be beatified after a miracle approved by Pope Francis. Pope Francis has recognized a miracle obtained through the intercession of his predecessor, Venerable John Paul I, who will now be declared blessed. Often called the smiling Pope, JP1 died unexpectedly on September the 28th, 1978, after just 33 days in office. But even before he was elected, Pope Albino Luciani was known for his humility, his emphasis on spiritual poverty, and his dedication to teaching the faith in an understandable manner. Pope Francis has given his approval on October the 13th for the cause of beatification of JP1 to move forward along with the causes of six others on the path to sainthood. He was declared venerable by Pope Francis in 2017. There was also a fire in Taiwan, leaving 46 dead. Let's pray for their repose today. And those are your headline news. So I've been told that my French names are the best. And I've been told uh, that I should go and teach a French pronunciation course. Oui, oui. And today is yet again another day with French names. So the saint of the day is Saint Angadrisma of Bavoy. She was born in 615 in the Diocese of Therouanne, France. It was a cousin of St. Lambert of Lyon and was educated in Thoraan by Lambert and St. Omar. She felt drawn to religious life from an early age, but was promised in an arranged marriage to St. Ansbert of Chaucy. Dreading marriage, Ansbert and Angdrisma prayed for a miracle to prevent it. She was stricken with leprosy. Well, that'll do it. The marriage was broken off. Ansbert married someone else and Angdrisma became a nun. The leprosy was cured the moment she received the veil from St. Owen, the Archbishop of Rouen. She became the abbess of the Benedictine Monastery of Aurel de Verre near Beauvau, France. She became a miracle worker. She once stopped a fire that was about to destroy her monastery by praying while holding up the relics of her house's founder, St. Ebrulf of Auch. She died in 696 at the Aurel de Verre. Abbey in Beauvau, France, of natural causes. Saint Anxadrisma, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. Very close, uh, Adrian. Very, very close. I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm teaching French tomorrow, mm-hmm. by the way. Mm-hmm. Six o'clock. Anyone's welcome. <laughs> or are you teaching penance? Hmm. Curious. Anyway, the gospel today comes to us from Luke chapter 11, verses 47 through 54. The Lord said, Woe to you who build the memorials of the prophets, whom your fathers killed. Consequently, you bear witness and give consent to the deeds of your ancestors, for they killed them, and you do the building. Therefore the wisdom of God said, I will send to them prophets and apostles, 
Some of them they will kill and persecute in order that this generation might be charged with the blood of all the prophets shed since the foundation of the world. From the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah who died between the altar and the temple building. Yes, I tell you, this generation will be charged with their blood. Woe to you, scholars of the law. You have taken away the key of knowledge. You yourselves did not enter, and you stopped those trying to enter. When Jesus left, the scribes and Pharisees began to act with hostility toward him and to interrogate him about many things, for they were plotting to catch him at something he might say. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. The Venerable Bede said, Why he begins from the blood of Abel, who was the first martyr, we need not wonder. But why to the blood of Zacharias is a question, since many were slain after him, even up to our Lord's birth, and soon after his birth, the innocents, unless perhaps it was because Abel was a shepherd and Zacharias a priest. And the one was killed in the field, the other in the court of the temple. Martyrs of each class, that is, under their names, are shadowed both laymen and those engaged in the office of the altar. Venerable Bede, pray for us. You know, there's a fascinating fact here. Abel was the very first martyr recorded in sacred scripture, Genesis chapter 4, verse 8. He was murdered by Cain, you might remember. Whereas there is a debate among the fathers of the church on who actually was Zacharias referred to here. I'll get into more of that in the next hour. But I like what Hadock says here about how they can be blamed, how this generation can receive the blame for their uh, ancestors. Hadock says, not that the building of the monuments of the prophets was in itself blameworthy, but only the intention of those unhappy men who made use of this outward show of religion and piety as a means to carry on their wicked designs against the prince of prophets. St. Chrysostom would say, not that this generation of the Jews should be punished for the crimes of others, but that having before their eyes the severe chastisements their ancestors had received in punishment of their wickedness, they had not grown better, but had imitated their perversities. They held up the monuments, taking full advantage, keeping both of their options open. Oh, look at us. Woe to us. But Jesus says they took away the key. What was the key? The entry into the new covenant under the Messiah. They blocked the way to Jesus. And that is their condemnation. St. Cyril talks about it as the key of knowledge of faith. Is that the doorway to Christ? Let's not do that today. Let's lead people to Christ. Anyway, we're going to go to break. We're going to come back. And we're going to talk about China with China in Focus's Tiffany Meyer. That's coming up next. Don't go anywhere. GloryandShine.com, a generous underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. GloryandShine.com is a Catholic family-owned company making a variety of personal care products ranging from lotions, soap bars, gift boxes, body mist, beard care, and more. At GloryandShine.com, they state their mission is to, quote, craft every product with deep intention while holding a vision of sharing the gospel. They are good for the body, mind, and soul, unquote. God love you, GloryandShine.com. Thank you again. The next National Men's March to End Abortion is Monday, November 15th in Baltimore. We will gather outside of a local abortion center and march to our rally point outside of the USCCB Fall Assembly. Men, it's time. We are killing 
unborn children by the millions. But how many men should be here? But where have all the good men gone? Where are you? Go to themensmarch.com for more information and commit to join us on November 15th in Baltimore. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired, I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Coming up at 35 past the hour, Henry Sear, author of The Dictator Pope, is going to be our guest to talk about the high price of apostolic visitations upon religious communities. That's coming up. But joining us right now is the host of China in Focus, Tiffany Meyer, to talk about uh, several big, important issues that are going on in China. Good morning to you, Miss Meyer. Thank you for your time. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. Praise be to God. Uh, There's been lots of reports. I want to start with these COVID camps. We reported on this. The Epic Times uh, reported on this uh, earlier this week. Uh, Massive camps being built that can house tens of thousands of people. What is the status of that? Right. So these internal documents were obtained by the Chinese language Epoch Times, which is NTD's sister media. And so both are marked extra urgent. And basically what they're calling for is enhanced pandemic preparation for the continuing pandemic. And so they're both in Fujian province, which is in southeastern China. It's near the coast of the Taiwan Strait. And so both of them are asking for two specific things. So as you mentioned, building these massive sites, which are kind of like quarantine sites. And as you mentioned, also, they're calling for tens of thousands of them to be built in this province. And what's interesting about these is it's not the first time this has happened, maybe in this province, but it's happened in China before. And the concern about these is in the past, they're made so rapidly. In the past, they're supposed to be makeshift hospitals Mm. to kind of stem the virus. But instead, they kind of became super spreader sites. And there's been reports coming out and videos where they're both almost like prisons, like there's no bathrooms. It's very terrible locations. It's not equipped to be a hospital. So that's one concern. And so, yeah, the population in Fujian last year is about 40 million. So to make the reach the goal, which is about 20 rooms per 10,000 people by the end of this month, Mm. the province would need to build about 87,000 of these. And so to build them that fast, it's most likely going to miss a lot of the crucial elements it needs. So that's one of the concerns where it might become another super spreader site if it's quarantine sites. And then the second one they're asking for is a five-level tiered system. So basically all levels of society is going to help enforce these rules. So that's mostly asking for control. And the big question about these documents right now is, is it a new virus outbreak or is it just a continuing act? And it's like hard to tell for that. But either way, like if it is new, if it's not new, if China decides to go into a complete lockdown again, because they do have that COVID zero policy, that could have widespread economic impacts. And right now the economy is already 
a little iffy because mostly these documents, though, just continue to prove they're like more evidence that China is continuing to have a lack of transparency. The internal message and external is very different because they had a lot of these documents last year too, and it's like at the same time when they were not admitting the virus to the outside world, they already had documents like these. Even back in like Wuhan, the epicenter, they're already internally saying things are. Quite terrible, but externally telling the world everything is fine, everything's under control, and often blaming other countries, right, for saying the virus came from America or Italy, <laughs> anywhere but China. And so that's pretty interesting about these. Mostly, it's just adding more evidence to the lack of transparency and their continuing cover-up. Tiffany Myers, our guest, she is the host of China in Focus on NTD, uh, a, a channel on YouTube that I watch all the time. It helps me stay up to date. And there seems to be a lot of relative issues to this this one point about these camps. The economy, you mentioned the economy. Uh, we have rolling blackouts there. We have the bursting real estate bubble. They've been building ghost cities now for a very long time. Uh, you have oh, workers, factory workers that are protesting because they're about to be laid off and or have been reduced. Reduced salaries and so much more. And then I hear flooding is going on. Um, you talk about transparency. What is the real situation economically in China? I mean, that's really hard to tell, right? Because everything is covered up. But right now, what's interesting too, you mentioned the housing market crisis with Evergrande probably being the most famous or infamous, if you will, was the 300 billion in debt. And they keep missing bond payments. And so right now, the question is will China bail them out? Or is China going to just let them flounder? And if that happens, that could, some are saying it could be the next Lehman Brothers. It could have global impacts. But what's also interesting is the housing market used to be the driving force behind China's economy. And so some analysts have been saying with what's happening with not just Evergrande, but also other housing markets out there, it could be a shift maybe the housing market isn't going to continue to be the driving force. And yeah, as you mentioned, the blackouts, there's a lot happening in the economy right now. Not just the Evergrande crisis, but there's also the big tech clampdown where the Chinese regime is going after these massive companies, say Jack Ma's Alibaba, which had one of the biggest IPOs. And then Ant Group was said to make history by being the biggest IPO. But because Jack Ma was outspoken against the Communist Party, his IPO was stopped, and then he also disappeared for three months. Mm. And so it's kind of this interesting thing where there's this housing market crisis happening, but at the same time, the Chinese regime is kind of making things worse by going down after all these sectors, not just big tech, but also the education and even medical, and recently the gaming industry. Now you have, like, kids who can only be online for a certain hours, and so now you have strange sights happening where a grandma is playing games at 3 a.m. Because <laughs> you need to have that facial recognition to prove that you're not a kid online, right? And so some are saying maybe it's a family thing, have families are helping each other out. So that's another thing, and as you mentioned, the blackouts too. And so another part of that is most of China is coal-powered, but because they have that retaliation against Australia, because Australia tried to find out the origin of the pandemic last year, mm. most of the Australia came and most of the coal came from Australia. And so now by stopping that, they're kind of China's kind of looking for other sources of power because most of its power comes from that. And so they're trying to increase production of coal in two main provinces. But the issue is there's all the flooding happening right now. And so all those coaling coal mines are basically underwater or they're 
there's just a lot of issues. And so there's several different parts to that. And why it matters globally is like, well, as we're seeing even here in the United States, the global supply chain and some experts have been saying, you know, that's going to impact the holiday shipping. That's going to impact everything. You might not get your gifts. You might not see that order. A lot of it is coming from China or other Asian countries. So it's just very opaque. But it's just really hard because whatever info you get out, you can never really tell what's true or not. It's like there's so many di different narratives. And so, yeah. like China was saying, we got rid of poverty. And then, <laughs> you know, if you ask the people there, they're like, excuse yeah. me. But the problem with that is like now they can't have access to that international aid. And so there's so many things going on. And so it's really hard, too, because we're kind of in the midst of it. So it's kind of hard to see what the future holds. But that's kind of how things stand right now. That's part of the reason why I watch China in focus, so I can understand what, what is true and what is not true about China, because it is a very tricky business. Um, but what about? Let's talk real quick about the United States in regards to the economy you just talked about. Is is it possible for China to continue to buy U.S. debt? I mean, we're looking at a debt crisis here in the United States. They've had to up the limit in Congress temporarily. Uh, is there a bubble about to burst? Would it be possible for China to stop purchasing our debt or and or call us on our loans? Well, I mean, that's one of the questions right now, right? It's like China itself doesn't have that kind of money to be buying all that. But at the same time, they have to keep up appearances. And so they also have that famous Belt and Road Initiative, which is their global infrastructure plan. And to do that, it involves trillions of dollars, which they don't have, but they keep pushing that. And if you look at, say, Pakistan, for example, was their crown jewel. They put so much money into that country, but it's not doing well right now with the Belt and Road Initiative. They have a different one called like CPEC. Mm. But it's just like very interesting because it's like to keep up appearances, China's probably going to continue saying it will, say, buy our debt, but at the same time, it doesn't have that kind of money. But then, you know, there's always this disparity between what's publicly said and then what's internally going on. Some analysts have said you have to take everything China puts out with not just a grain of salt, but like a whole bucket of salt. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's really hard to tell because it's just there's just such disparity between the internal and external narrative. Let's switch to Taiwan. We have about, uh, I don't know, four minutes left with uh, Tiffany Meyer, host of China in Focus, which you can find linked up on, on YouTube. That's where I go. But NTD.com as well. You can find it there. But let's talk about Taiwan. One, there was a fire, I guess, yesterday. 46 people lost their lives. That's very tragic. Um, but things to be seem to be heating up quite a bit there. They've been that way a long time. But you've got war games. You've got China practicing invasion. You've got uh, you know, the U.K., the United States, Japan, and other allied forces uh, also doing war gaming going on. Are we looking at a war here, or is this just uh, posturing? Well, again, that's one of the big questions right now. Is war going to actually break out? Some people are saying it's not if, it's when. But at the same time, a lot of analysts have been saying, especially military ones, they're saying these incursions are to, one, wear down Taiwan's own defenses, because it takes a lot for them to keep going after these fighter jets that invade their uh, air defense zone. But at the same time, it's to make the rest of the world not care as much. Because right now, these Taiwan, like the fighter jets going into Taiwan's air defense zone are all over the news, headlines around the world. But if Beijing keeps that up, newspapers aren't going to report that as much anymore. And so as that disappears, what happens is like, if China actually declares war on Taiwan, 
maybe newspapers don't care anymore because they're like, oh, that's just another incursion. And so that's what some analysts have been saying. But at the same time, they're also pointing out war between Beijing and Taiwan isn't just these two little countries involved. You can debate if Taiwan's a country. But at the same time, they're saying the whole world would be involved. It would be more like World War III. And it's not also just, say, boots on the ground. It would also include almost Cold War strategies like cyber. And some people might be wondering why Taiwan's important. It's this tiny little island right in the middle of almost nowhere. But it's part of what's called the first island chain. And so that's made up of Taiwan, the Philippines, and Okinawa in Japan. And so what they're important is if Taiwan falls, then the entire Pacific is opened up to Beijing. That means the U.S. is then at risk. And so that's why Taiwan is so crucial. That's why Japan's also very worried. Other neighboring countries are extremely worried about this issue, too. And other analysts, especially military ones, have mentioned if China actually goes to war, it's not going to be something that just happens over a few days, right? The entire world is going to be involved. China ultimately wants total control, and not just of the globe, but also even space. They have a lot of space ambitions. Mm. And so it's really tricky. And it's right now, it's just really hard to see what other countries are going to do. We do have that deal with Taiwan where we'll help them defend themselves. But at the same time, it's unofficial between us. And so it's just really interesting to see. But ultimately, China just doesn't like anyone who stands up against them or has different ideologies. It's why they go after people of faith, right? They go after not just the Uyghurs, the genocide that's happening in Xinjiang, but also house Christians and practitioners of the spiritual dis discipline Falun Gong are also being persecuted. And so it's just like anything, anyone who has different ideologies, who are thinking differently. And so Taiwan, right, isn't admitting to this CCP narrative. And so they're a threat. We saw what happened with Hong Kong. And so right now it's just a lot of uncertainty. But if war breaks out, that would be, it would be catastrophic. The, you know, global stock exchanges would fall. So there's a lot up in the air right now. All right. Well, praise be to God. We're grateful for your time today. Tiffany Meyer, China in Focus. Go to uh, NTD.com to find her content there, as well as a lot of other really good content about China. Thank you for your time today. God bless you. God love you. And have a great day, Tiffany Meyer. Thank you so much. All right, we're going to go to break. We're going to come back. More breaking news and stories. And Henry Sear, the price of the apostolic visitation is next. Have you ever dialogued with someone who espouses relativism, which says there is no truth or it might be true for you, but not for me? It's pretty frustrating. Deep down, we know these claims are false, but we often don't know why. Here's the reason. To say there is no truth is a contradiction. The assertion is tantamount to saying it's true that there is no truth, plain absurdity. Now the other position, there is no absolute truth, just truth relative to the individual set of beliefs, is problematic as well. The usage of the verb is implies an assertion about the objective order of things. It's the same thing as saying it's absolutely true that there is no absolute truth, which of course is a contradiction. No matter how the relativist slices the pie, he ends up with a contradiction, making relativism an unreasonable worldview. I'm Carlo Broussard with a ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time 
Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Praise be to God. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean, and here are your headline news. Epic Times reports Tokyo Olympic runner and Kenya world record holder found murdered. A Kenyan professional long-distance runner who competed in the Tokyo Olympics this year was found stabbed to death at her home. The governing body of the sport of athletics in the East African country announced on Wednesday. Agnes Tirup, 25-year-old two-time world championship bronze medalist, was found dead at her home on October the 13th, according to Athletics Kenya. Kenyan authorities have launched a criminal investigation into her death, while police say her husband has gone missing. Athletics Kenya said the organization is working to unearth more details surrounding her demise. Last month, Chirp smashed the women-only 10,000-meter world record in Germany, crossing the line in 30 minutes and one second to shave 28 seconds off the previous record held by Morocco's Asame Lekzoawi in uh, 2002. Reuters reports G7 finance officials endorse principles for central bank digital currencies. G7 finance officials on Wednesday endorsed 13 public policy principles for central bank digital currencies, saying such currencies should be grounded in transparency, the rule of law, and sound economic governance, according to the Treasury Department. In their joint statement, the G7 officials said central bank money in the form of central bank digital currencies, or CBDCs, would complement cash and could act as liquid, safe settlement asset and anchor for payments. But uh, but no G7 authority has decided to issue a CBDC so far. Careful consideration for the potential policy implications will continue. The G7 officials stress the importance of rigorous privacy standards, cybersecurity, the need to protect users' data, and transparency on how information will be secured and used. But I wonder whether or not They'll consider not having to, uh, you know, scan our social medias and our politics and decide whether or not to allow us to have access to digital currencies based on our wokeness. Hmm. The Blaze reports Baltimore must allow conservative Catholic group to hold prayer rally. Judge rules. A conservative Roman Catholic media outlet has won its case against the city of Baltimore after a federal judge ruled city officials could not ban the group from holding a prayer rally during a U.S. bishops meeting next month. U.S. District Judge Ellen Hollander granted on Tuesday a preliminary injunction against the city's decision to block St. Michael's Media Inc., which owns the website Church Militant from hosting a prayer rally at a city-owned pavilion. Hollander said, in her opinion, that Church Militant was likely to win its case, claiming the city violated the First Amendment by discriminating against the organization's political views. The order says the mayor and the city council of Baltimore shall not prohibit or impede SMG, the pavilion's manager, from entering into a contract with St. Michael's for plaintiff's use of the MECU pavilion for its planned rally on November the 16th, 2021. A spokesman for the city of Baltimore told the Associated Press that the city will appeal Hollander's decision. 
Last, uh, big league politics. U.S. Army suicides increased by 46% amid fixation on coronavirus mandates. A new study commissioned by the Pentagon and released Wednesday indicates that suicides among active duty members of the United States Army have increased by 46% relative to 2021, with 60 soldiers killing themselves in 2021. Suicides had in turn increased last year as well. Lots to pray for. And those are your headline news. Joining us right now via Zoom chat is the author of The Dictator Pope, published by Regnery Publishing. Uh, it's a book I've gone through uh, a few times, actually. I have the audiobook version of it. I got it uh, a few years back, and uh, I've listened to it several times now. And there is, I think it's the fifth chapter of this book, is a detailing the visitation to the Friars of the Immaculate. And it is a heart-wrenching uh, story to listen to. How this particular order of incredibly booming vocations and and, and great life and and multiple houses are, all had to come to a screeching halt as a result of this. And so, to discuss this issue with us is the author himself, Henry Sear. Good morning to you, sir. Thank you for being on our program. Good morning. Let's start with the dictator pope itself. Tell us the story of how you came to write this particular book. Uh, what is it about, and why did you feel the need to? published this? Well, I had been living in Rome since the beginning of Francis's pontificate, and uh, one, one heard uh, more and more about what was going on. Uh, what really precipitated my writing the book was uh, what happened in the Order of Malta, for which I was uh, working at the time. But in fact, uh, I was thinking of, or, uh, to, to be exact, I was thinking even before that that uh, a book of this kind needed to be needed to be written. Uh, I didn't think I could uh, write it myself because uh, I was working for the Order of Malta. But then in uh, January uh, 2017 uh, came the dismissal of the Grand Master of the Order by the Pope. Uh, I decided to resign and uh, I was left free to, to write the book. And of course, I had access to a lot of contacts in the Vatican, because I was living in Rome at the time. You know, there have been a number of books that have come out over the last, since, especially since 2018, the Summer of Shame, um, that detail the scandals and the corruptions and the, and the hierarchy of the Church. But I have to say, I think yours is among the best written. Um, it's very well written, it's very well researched, and it doesn't read like conspiracy theory, and that's part of the reason why I've, I've gone through it a number of times. Um, the story of the Order of Malta by itself is a topic I think we could spend quite a bit of time on. Most life faithful either were oblivious to what was going on in the Order of Malta or, in fact, was completely over their head and they weren't sure, you know, who are the good guys, who are the bad guys. Uh, can we take just a moment and could you sort that story out for us? What were the, what were the uh, scenarios in the Order of Malta that were creating scandal? The situation was that... Uh the uh, um, hospitaler of the Order of Malta uh, was uh, thought to have been responsible for the distribution of condoms uh, on a large scale as part of the Order of Malta's uh, charitable works. Now, the Grand Master wanted to, to dismiss him for this, and he in fact did so in December 2016. Uh, and uh, uh, in this he had the uh, support of Cardinal Burke, who was the, um, uh, the Vatican's envoy to the Order of Malta. 
then um, uh, the, the, uh, the, the, the man uh, um, dismissed Baron Berzelager, appealed to the Vatican, uh, and what happened was that uh, a month later, uh, the Pope summoned the Grand Master to the Vatican, uh, ordered him to resign, and reinstated Berzelager. So you had the strange situation uh, that the man who tried to um, uphold Catholic teaching on uh, birth control was dismissed, and the man who'd violated it was reinstated. Uh, but the main, uh, the main point here was that this was uh, intended as a blow to Cardinal Burke, whom uh, uh, um, Pope Francis regards as his chief enemy, and he was, uh, at all intents and purposes, uh, um, dismissed from his position as the uh, Vatican's representative to the Order of Malta. Uh, and and th that was the, the main object of the exercise, but, but also to remove uh, the Grand Master, who was Cardinal Burke's main supporter. And where's the, where is the Order of Malta today? Um, Cardinal Burke's been removed. Um, where, how do, did they learn any lessons from this? Are they still participating in the distribution of condoms? I mean, the Order of Malta, it's kind of one of these quiet organizations in the church. They go back so many centuries. They have the, the, uh, the Maltesers, the hospital in Bethlehem. I mean, they're, they're pretty extensive organization. So where are they today? And how about the members? How are they feeling about all of this? Well, the, the order has been completely under the thumb of Berzelager ever since he came back in uh, January 2017. Uh, it's, it's been under his control internally, so to speak. Uh, he hasn't had it all, all his own way because he, he's wanted to introduce uh, various changes in the order to, uh, to basically to secularize it, to, to uh, um, remove the power of the... Um, uh, of the religious members, those who take uh, uh, the religious vows. But in this, he's been opposed by the um, successive Vatican um, um, representatives to the order, uh, and he hasn't been able to, to make the changes uh, he, he's wanted. Uh, as far as the condoms go, I, I, I very much doubt whether they're still distributing condoms. But Praise God. One doesn't know. It could be, it, it could be being done uh, you know, in an unauthorized way. Now, with the Malta uh, organization, especially here in the United States, the associations, are they somewhat independent? I mean, or are they controlled from the central authority? No, the, the national associations uh, have their own works, and uh, the, the central government of the order doesn't control them, no. Well, well, so I'm sure a lot of members were probably very scandalized by that fallout, but probably continue in their works. Oh, yes. Um, it varies from country to country. Uh, in some countries, uh, in uh, England especially, um, the former Grand Master, Fra Matthew Festing, has a great deal of support. Um, I, I think one could probably say that in most of the order, uh, people don't know what it was all about anyway. Well, let's turn to the Franciscan Friars of the Immaculate. Um, it was... Is curious as to why so soon into the Pope Francis pontificate was the visitation announced, and then the fallout seems to be very incredible. So, can you tell us about this story? Who are the Franciscan Friars of the Immaculate, and why did they receive an apostolic visitation? 
This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. G.K. Chesterton says, Thanks are the highest form of thought. At the sacrifice of the Mass, we hear the priest say, We do well always and everywhere to give you thanks. Always and everywhere. Have we ever really thought about that? If we were always thankful to God, always and everywhere, what would our lives be like? Chesterton says, We should always endeavor to wonder at the permanent thing, not at the mere exception. We should be startled by the sun, not by the eclipse. We should wonder less at the earthquake and wonder more at the earth. Thanks are the highest form of thought. Maybe that's why the word Eucharist means thanksgiving. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. probably say that in most of the order, uh, people don't know what it was all about anyway. Well, let's turn to the Franciscan Friars of the Immaculate. Um, it was curious as to why so soon into the Pope Francis pontificate was the visitation announced, and then the fallout seems to be very incredible. So can you tell us about this story? Who are the Franciscan Friars of the Immaculate, and why did they receive an apostolic visitation? Well, the, the, the inquiry into the uh, Franciscan Friars of the Immaculate began actually before Francis was elected, um, though it hadn't, it hadn't gathered any sort of uh, pace. It, it mm. began to gather pace uh, under Francis. Uh, the the um, Friars of the Immaculate were founded, I think, about 1970, I forget, um, as, uh, as an offshoot of the, um, of the Franciscans as such. And they had enormous success. They have a special uh, devotion to Our Lady, and they they um, founded dozens of friaries uh, all over the world, working especially in very poor countries because uh, they, they 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 really do live the uh, the Franciscan uh, vocation of poverty. But uh, the the trouble arose when um, just after. Um, just after the um, uh, traditional right was liberalized by Samorum Pontificum, uh, the order decided to adopt the traditional right, not, not uh, as the only right of the order. They, they became by ritual. And this um, caused um, uh, opposition uh, among a very few members, about half a dozen members, who started ca- uh, causing the trouble. Mm. And the the Vatican has been able to use those members as a sort of Trojan horse within the order uh, to to virtually destroy the order. Henry Sears, our guest, his book is called The Dictator Pope. It's published by Regnery Publishing. Um, the inside story of the Francis Papacy is the the subtext. And uh, by the way, real quick, you published it under a pseudonym. Tell us who. Mark Antonio Colonna. Um, 
yes, I, I published it first in uh, an Italian version, uh, uh, and I adopted the name of um, a, a great um, uh, soldier of the church in the 16th century, Mark Antonio Colonna, who uh, uh, commanded the forces of the church at the Battle of Lepanto. That's pretty fascinating. Uh, when, at what point did uh, the world discover that it was Henry Sear and not Mark Antonio? Well, uh, I, I, I then had it published. Uh, I, I first had it published uh, uh, in the Kindle edition, and uh, I then had it published by um, uh, by Regnery in, in the printed edition. And they said from the start that I would have to give my real name, and in fact, they they issued my they issued my name. Um, I forget what it was. Uh, a few weeks before publication. Oh, that was Regnery that did that. I was under the impression that was Amazon. I was completely wrong. Wow, Regnery. <laughs> okay, let's go oh, back. No, to I, I, I don't think Amazon was in a position to do so. Uh, uh, no, Re Regnery uh, published my Fascinating, identity. very fascinating. Let's go back to the Immaculate. Uh, Friars of the Immaculate, thank you. Um, so they, the... The holy, the traditional form of the mass is kind of what triggers things with a handful of the friars. Um, it's my understanding that their superior, the father uh, uh, of the friars, was somebody who was an altar server for Padre Pio for a very long time. Uh, had a great reputation for being a very pious and holy man. Is that the case? Based on your research, is that uh, are those true? Well, absolutely. Uh, um, he. He became the victim of a series of uh, completely false accusations by the visitor who was imposed uh, by the Vatican, Father Volpe. And uh, he was even able to uh, launch a libel action against uh, Father Volpe, in which uh, the Italian court uh, upheld his, uh, his case. Uh, and I, I think I'm right in saying ordered, uh, ordered Father Volpe to pay damages. Wow. So who is uh, Father Volpe? Uh, he, we, what we know about him, uh, at least from my perspective, is he's a, he was put in charge, he was made the commissioner, and uh, then, then slowly stomped out the Franciscans. Uh, but who was he and what did he do? I can't give you any details about him. Actually, he, he died uh, after about a year of, his, uh, of beginning his work. Uh, oh, wow. he, he, he had a stroke and, um, and, uh, uh, and died. So... Um, the, uh, the, the the remaining work of uh, trying to stamp out the the friars of the Immaculate has been carried out by his successors. Oh, I see. Well, the interesting thing about this to me is that once this whole Traditione Custodis came out and the Ecclesia Dei Commission uh, was moved under the Society for a Religious Life, and they and all these things started happening. It popped in my head that these things between Joe and I were discussing this, and we were like, this is what's happened to the Franciscans of the Immaculate. And we I started reading into it, and I was like, wow, I was blown away by how this seems like, to me, that the tactic that is going to be taken uh, against the Franciscan Immaculate is going to be applied to the Ecclesia Dei communities, that's the Fraternity, the Institute of Christ the King, and other similar uh, communities. And we see the first uh, inklings of this with the uh, community of Carmelite sisters in the U.S. Uh, who have their the priest who's saying mass for them happens to be a monk, a hermit who was a Franciscan of the Immaculate. The visitation itself, like the the procedure, the timeline of the chronology of events, they get the visitation. What does it look like? What actually happens to the community? What's the fallout? 
you say the community, but of course uh, it, it's a worldwide community. There, there were uh, friaries all over the world. Uh, one of the first things that happened was that um, their seminary in um, Italy was closed down. It was one of the first things that Father Volpe did. Uh, now, I don't really know what's uh, happened with the Friars of the Immaculate since then. Um, I, I, I know that a lot of friaries have been closed down worldwide. There's been uh, persecution of uh, uh, various uh, friars who tried to start uh, similar uh, groups uh, in various parts of the world. Philippines, I think. Um, some of them have, uh, have set up successfully in England. Uh, so I really can't tell you the, the, the general picture, but it, it seems to have been a, a gradual uh, attrition of their, of their position by, by the Vatican. So uh, Father Volpe comes in, he takes over as superior, he places uh, the, the founder under house arrest and then starts leveling accusations against him. And yes. then starts shutting down the seminary, and uh, and I, from reading the book, it sounds like many of the, not only did the seminarians leave, but it also sounds like many of the friars were wanting to leave, but were being prevented from leaving? Yes, that's absolutely right. Uh, and then, of course, there was the um, parallel attack on the on the nuns of the order. Uh, and, and, and this uh, this was, was launched without even an internal complaint, is there? As there had been in the case of the of the male members, so it, it's been a, a a wholesale attack on the order with no with no justification to it, whatever. How do they prevent someone from leaving the community? How does that work exactly? Uh, well, uh, bishops can be ordered not to accept them as priests. Uh, clearly, one way that uh, friars uh, could uh, could leave is to uh, join traditionalist groups which uh, don't uh, acknowledge the, uh, the authority of the Holy See. Uh, I don't know how many of them ha have done that. We're talking with Henry Sear. Uh, he is the author of The Dictator Pope. You can uh, find it on Amazon. You can also find it on Regnery's Publishing as well. Um, talking about the Franciscan Friars of the Immaculates and <laughs> their visitation that did not go very well. Uh, in fact, uh, I was just listening to Father Immaculate Mary Dean's testimony from his account of this particular visitation, and he talked about how, or he alleged, how Father Volpe visited, as you just sort of indicated, he visited all these other Italian bishops to say, do not take our friars, do not incarnate our friars who are leaving uh, leaving this uh, order, do not take them. And uh, he also talked about uh, how the seminarians who had left, uh, they were released from the order, went to go with another traditional community who was who was letting them live on their in their house while the Filipino uh, bishop was sponsoring them. The Filipino bishop gets told he's retired now, three years too early, and then the community that housed them gets their own vi apostolic visitation only to be shut down and suppressed. I want to say in 2019 they uh, were also suppressed. Do you see a trend here, uh, Mr. Sear? Well, obviously, yes. I, I, I'm, I didn't know the detail about a, a new community, about the other community which uh, received uh, a visitation. But I, I did know that uh, the um, friars who tried to uh, work in the Philippines were suspended a divinis, and the, uh, the the bishop was told that he he, he was not to uh, um, uh, authorize them as a as a separate group. 
Is there okay? Let's play uh, the devil's advocate, uh, which no longer exists. Uh, but <laughs> let, <laughs> let's play the devil's advocate for a second, uh, Henry Sierra. Is it even possible that there are things about these communities that we just don't know that are problematic and troubling that the Vatican should be uh, concerned about? Well, I, I think the most problematic thing in the friars of the Immaculate was these with these half a dozen friars who caused the trouble in the first place. Uh, the fact is, the, the Vatican uh, has uh, issued dark accusations about uh, uh, all, all sorts of irregularities or, or horrendous practices in the order, but they've never been substantiated. Uh, they, they, they've had, uh, uh, what, uh, five years, more, more than five years to present their accusations, and they simply haven't emerged. And so my question then becomes, you know, we keep hearing over and over again from the from people that, you know, the Holy Father is the Pope. You're going to have to put a pin in it there. Sorry, Adrian, you, get on, you don't get to ask that question, at least not today. However, comma, the full interview was sent to our CDT Insider email list about a week ago. If you would like the full interview, we're going to release that publicly, I don't know, in the next uh, few days or week or whatever on our YouTube channel. So be on the lookout for that. So make sure you like and subscribe to Catholic Drive Time channel. But we're also backing up everything onto Odyssey and Rumble elsewhere because <laughs> YouTube censorship, it's a thing. By the way, don't forget, I'm coming, I'm coming to the uh, National Men's March to End Abortion on Monday, November the 15th in Baltimore. I'm looking forward to being there with a bunch of men from all over the country to pray and to speak out against the evil of abortion. Hope you can join me in that. Go to the website, themensmarch.com, themensmarch.com for the details. If you can join us in the next hour, we're going to have fun. You should join us. Join us online. God love you. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Many Protestants believe we are saved by faith alone, and they say Catholics believe they can work their way into heaven. How do you answer that? First, I ask them to show me where in the Catechism, the official teaching of the Catholic Church, does it teach that we can work our way into heaven. They can't because it doesn't. The Catholic Church has never taught a doctrine of salvation by works, that we can work our way into heaven. Second, I ask them to show me where in the Bible does it teach that we are saved by faith alone. They can't because it doesn't. The only place in all of Scripture where the phrase faith alone appears is in James 2.24 where it says that we are not, not justified or saved by faith alone. So one of the main pillars of Protestantism, the doctrine of salvation by faith alone, not only doesn't appear in the Bible, but the Bible actually says the exact opposite, that we are not saved by faith alone. Third, I ask them that if works have nothing to do with our salvation, then how come every passage in the New Testament that talks about judgment says we will be judged by our works, not by faith alone? We see this in Romans 2, Matthew 15, 1 Peter 1, and many other verses. Fourth, I ask them if we are saved by faith alone, why does 1 Corinthians 13, 13 say that love is greater than faith? Shouldn't it be the other way around? Catholics believe that we are saved by God's grace alone. We can do nothing apart from God's grace to receive the free gift of salvation. 
However, we have to respond to His grace. Protestants believe that too. However, many Protestants believe that the only response necessary is an act of faith, whereas Catholics believe a response of faith and works is necessary, whereas the Bible puts it in Galatians 5, 6, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision is of any avail, but faith working through love. Faith working through love, just as the church teaches. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern. Right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Good morning. You're just like, what is today, Thursday? You're like a day away. And then the weekend is upon you. Just imagine, praise be to God. We're going to have a great show this hour. We're going to have some fun. I have a piece of good news for you coming up in the good news segment. We always do the heavier stuff in the first hour. So if you like the international, national news about what's going on in the world, then well, you got to tune in in the first hour. The second hour, we tried to do something a little bit more a lighter fare, a little bit more inspirational, a little bit more fun. It's a salty sweet kind of a thing. That's what we're going for. And I do have a piece of good news coming out of Africa. Praise be to God for that. So that's coming up. Then we have Saint of the Day, uh, which is all French words. And I don't have to say them. Adrian Fonseca is going to be saying them. So send your your comments about his French pronunciations uh, to Adrian. That'd be amazing. Praise be to God for that. And then we'll have a gospel today, maybe a short reflection. And then we play our game, Fear and Trembling. And your opportunity to win prizes is coming up at 15 past the hour. Uh, but we just wrapped up a great conversation, or at least part of a conversation with Henry Sear about the apostolic visitations to these religious communities and the heavy price they result in. Um, so that was a, a, a an interesting conversation. Now, we, we only played a portion of it. The whole conversation, it was like 50 minutes. We did send that to our CDT Insider email list. So it's a good reason for you to be on the email list because you get first access to interviews and content like that that nobody else does. So... Be sure to join our email list on our website at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. That's grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Speaking of uh, French accents, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. Good morning. Good morning. It's good to be here. Is it now? It is. Despite the the French pronunciations, Mm -hmm. it is still Mm -hmm. good to be here. And honestly, the French pronunciations was the closest for uh, me to uh, not saying it's good to be here. <laughs> <laughs> it's and out of all of the of all the chaos and mayhem and <laughs> destruction, uh, grocery stores empty, fire rain from heaven. 
uh, French pronunciation. That bad. Well, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm sorry. Spoiler alert. That'll be later. That'll that, be later. That, that's still to come. <laughs> that's still to come. But that's wait, come. there's more. Exactly. Uh, but I'll, no, the French pronunciations are great. A lot of fun. Um, I was going to say teaching, uh, teaching a French class tomorrow. If when, you want to come? When you do Saint of the Days, uh, Eastern Europeans, Czechs, really hard. Poles, really hard. But for whatever reason, when it comes to Western saints, like the French, they're hard to pronounce. I can get away in German. I can get away in Spanish even and uh, Italian. But, boy, you when you do the French, it's, it's, it's a very tricky piece of business. So nothing intended personally. It's just the way it goes. Speaking of the way it goes, uh, Janice, uh, praise be to God. Good morning to you. Good morning, Joe. You made it. I did. I feel better today. I didn't wake up with a sore throat. Praise well, God. Praise be to God for yeah, that. I drink. Um, I ate a lot of soups yesterday. And uh, why do soups help people get better? What is it in soups? I think like, it's I think the broth. steak is really the key. It's the, <laughs> the magical key is is a good thick, you know, like a twenty two ounce steak or something like that. Um, why? Why soups? Why do people? That's what I soup? do. I eat a I eat a, a T bone steak. That's right. Uh, every day that I'm sick, <laughs> yeah. And then uh, after like 48 hours, I'm better. Always. No what it is. Every time. Yeah. Well, I think I think protein is actually really good for you too mm. when you're sick. But I think soups are better than steak. I don't know. Yeah. Mm, I, don't I don't know. Possible. You get <laughs> the A one sauce. It makes it soup, right? <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I tell you what, we're gonna do in the after show, which comes up in the second half of this hour. We're gonna ask you, the audience, what do you like, soups or steaks, when you're not feeling well i think steaks and potatoes are always the key to success that's my personal opinion (laughs) but we'll get your opinion dear audience in the second half of this hour on the live video feed for the after show let's pray and dive in to this particular hour in the name of the father the son and the holy ghost amen remember O most gracious virgin mary that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection implored thy help or sought thine intercession was left unaided Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of Virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand. Barely 48 hours after their kidnap, our beloved brothers were released by their abductors. Father Emmanuel Okolo, Chancellor of the Diocese, said in an October 13th statement. Father Okolo expressed gratitude to, quote, all those that have offered prayers and entreaties for their quick release for, uh, of our seminarians and others who are still in the dens of their kidnappers, unquote. Christ the King Major Seminary in, uh, in Koguma, about 10 miles southwest of Kafanchan, was attacked by bandits around 7.30 p.m. October the 11th. <clears throat> the three seminarians who were abducted from the seminary chapel belong to the Apostles of Divine Charity and the Little Sons of the Eucharist and are all in their fourth year of theology. Christ the King Seminary houses more than 130 seminarians. Six seminarians were injured in the attack. They were taken with some formators to a hospital and uh, a, quote, dispatch of soldiers of the operation of Safe Haven, unquote, uh, accompanied them. So praise be to God for that. The injured were treated and discharged after being confirmed to be stable. A priest of the diocese was kidnapped last month. Father Benson Bulas Luca was abducted from his residence September the 13th and released after a little more than 24 hours. And gunmen abducted four seminarians from Good Shepherd Seminary in January 2020, holding them for ransom. Their kidnappers eventually released three of the seminarians, but killed 18-year-old Michael Nadi after he refused to renounce his faith. 
Kidnappings of Christians in Nigeria have multiplied in recent years, a situation that has prompted church leaders to express serious concern about the security of their members and to call on the government to prioritize the security of its citizens. Uh, praise be to God that these four seminarians have been released. I don't know if it's because they paid the ransom or not, but praise be to Jesus Christ for their safety. Let's pray for our Christian brothers and sisters in Nigeria who continue to face uh, even death for the cause. So praise be to God for that. And that is your good news for today. The saint of the day, as we said, many, many French names today, is Saint Angadrisma of Bevaz. She was born in 615 in the Diocese of Theroan, France, and was the cousin of Saint Lambert of Lyon, and was educated at Theroan by Lambert and Saint Omar. She felt drawn to religious life from an early age, but was promised in an arranged marriage to St. Anspert of Chaucy. Dreading the marriage, Angadrisma prayed for a miracle to prevent it. She was stricken with leprosy, and that'll do it. The marriage was broken off, and Anspert married someone else, and Angadrisma became a nun. The leprosy was cured the moment she received the veil from St. Owen, the Archbishop of Rhone. She became the abbess of the Benedictine Monastery of Aurore de Vaille near Beauvau, France. She became a miracle worker and once stopped a fire that was about to destroy her monastery. She did so by praying while holding up the relics of her house's founder, St. Ebrulf of Auch. She died in 696 at the Aurore de Vaille Abbey in Beauvau, France of natural causes. St. Angadrisma pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Luke chapter 11 verses 47 through 54. The Lord said, Woe to you who build the memorials of the prophets whom your fathers killed. Consequently, you bear witness and give consent to the deeds of your ancestors. For they killed them and you do the building. Therefore, the wisdom of God said, I will send to them prophets and apostles. Some of them they will kill and persecute in order that this generation might be charged with the blood of all the prophets shed since the foundation of the world. From the blood of Abel to the blood of Zechariah who died between the altar and the temple building. Yes, I tell you, this generation will be charged with their blood. Woe to you, scholars of the law. You have taken away the key of knowledge. You yourselves did not enter, and you stopped those trying to enter. When Jesus left, the scribes and Pharisees began to act with hostility toward him and to interrogate him about many things, for they were plotting to catch him at something he might say. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. St. Gregory of Nyssa uh, chimes in on the debate. Did you know there was a debate among the early church fathers about who this particular Zacharias was? Was he the Zacharias of uh, Jedekiah, or was he the uh, Zacharias of uh, the father of John the Baptist? Hmm, hmm. Gregory of Nyssa says this, but some say that Zacharias, the father of John, by the spirit of prophecy, forecasting the mystery of the immaculate virginity of the mother of God, in no way uh, separated her from the part of the temple set apart for virgins, wishing to show that it was the power of the creator of all things to manifest a new birth, while he did not deprive the mother of the glory of her virginity. 
Now, this part was between the altar and the temple, in which was placed the brazen altar, where for this reason they slew him. It is said also that when they heard the king of the world was about to come, from fear of subjugation, they attacked him who bore witness to his coming and slew the priest in the temple. So say at least St. Gregory of Nyssa believes that because Zechariah announced the coming of the king, the Messiah, which they feared, they slew him. I don't know. That would be that would be an incredible damnation to have to face up in your judgment, would it not? Adrian, what do you say? Yes. So the number of things here, one of the things that I wanted to point out was the destruction of the, of the prophets, but the building up of the sepulchers. Uh, he says here, Cornelius Lapide says, he acto ye scribes in accordance with the example of your fathers. They kill the prophets and yea, and they, they bury them as robbers bury those who they have plundered and slain. I'm like, oof. Yeah, just like a robber, whenever he might, so this is not talking about today, talking about back then, you would rock by and a, slow, and a robber might jump you, they'd steal from you, and then they'd throw you in a ditch and bury you in there. And he's saying, comparing them to that. And he says, Suarez explains this, and Suarez was another Jesuit, so, you know, Cornelius Lapide here is quoting other Jesuits here. He says, inasmuch as ye imitate your fathers in your persecution of Christ and his apostles, ye seem to build these sepulchers more to commemorate the act of the slayer than out of any desire to honor the slain. And that was the principal error that he's trying to, that our Lord is trying to uh, emphasize here. He's saying, no, you're not really building these to honor the slain. No, instead, in fact, the reason why you're building these things is to honor those who killed the prophets. Now, at the very end, our Lord he talks about those who lay in wait for him. And this is the perfect example for us and how we are to uh, conduct ourselves when we are being attacked, whenever people are, are trying to trap us. Our Lord is attacked and they try their hunt for him. They want him to they want to accuse him of something to present to Caiaphas or to Pilate. And what happens here? Our Lord has calm, courage, and confidence. He's calm. He has his, he's unmoved. His passions are not inflamed. They want him to move him to be uh, anger. So they will, he will speak out of turn. And so Euthemius says they thought by their rapid questioning to lead him to commit himself to some rash statement, but he answered them in all things wisely for he answered nothing, but what was well thought out aforehand. And he spake unmoved by any human passion. So Cornelius Lapide goes on and says, this is like, they try to incite anger on you to get you excited because when you're angry and you're excited, then people speak out of turn. And when they speak out of turn in the heat of the argument, we often say things and you can attest this, I can attest this. When we're angry and we're excited, we sometimes say things we regret. And sometimes we are compelled to retract those things, which we say in anger and excitement, but not so with Christ. He is calm and unmoved and his words were truth. Uh, that's Cornelius Lapide's words right there. And uh, that's the way we should present ourselves when we have are presented with arguments against our faith and are attacked. Uh, we should respond like Christ. What is this regret things you've said? What What is that? Is that, oh, I, is that like I have a, a list. Latin phrase? I have, a list I, like I have a, no I'll idea you what you're talking about. None. Zero zilch. Not I, a, eight pages long. And no need right to call now. my wife. Don't text my wife and ask From her this that. week. Okay. I think, Sorry. It's, I think it's called humility. H humil it's a Greek word? I have no idea what it is. <laughs> All right. Uh, we're going to play our game. It's coming up next. Uh, fear and trembling. But what we need is a caller on the line. So the phone lines are going open right now. If you would like to play our game, possibly win this week's prize pack. Well, what you need to do is pick up the phone and dial this 
number, and the first caller gets to be the contestant at 877-757-9424. Call right now. Be our first contestant at 877-757-9424. First caller gets it. If you've not played in a while, you can try again. 877-757-9424. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. We all know children have a natural innocence and a sense of wonder. Yet our world is full of distractions that can pull families in the wrong direction. But with the help of God and a church family, your children can grow in the security of faith, hope, and love. Weekly Mass provides that critical faith foundation needed in life. So if your family hasn't been to Mass in a while, we'd like to invite you home. Discover more at catholicscomehome.org. Protestants like to use James 2, 10 through 11 against the Catholic doctrine of mortal and venial sin because James says, whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. But James can't be denying the doctrine of mortal and venial sin because in 1.15 he affirms it, saying that sin in its beginning stages doesn't bring death, venial sin, whereas it does in its more mature stages, mortal sin. The point James is making in James 2, 10 through 11 is that we must keep all the commandments in order to avoid incurring the guilt of transgressing the law. We can't say to the Lord on Judgment Day, Lord, I only broke one commandment but kept the other nine. So James 2, 10 through 11 is simply a misfire in trying to take down the Catholic belief of mortal and venial sin. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. For 2,000 years, we've helped the poor and comforted the sick. We've educated generations of children, developed the scientific method and college system. We support marriage and human life. Guided by the Holy Spirit, we compiled the Bible. We are the Catholic Church. With over one billion in our family, sharing in the fullness of Christian faith in the church started by Jesus. If you've been away, visit catholicscomehome.org today. Welcome home. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. <laughs> the Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling, the Catholic Trivia Game Show. We have a secret and hidden agenda. But what we need most, before I can tell you all of my secrets, is a phone call. Now, we had to reboot the phones during the break because, you know, phone problems. It's just a, a thing here. But the phone number is now up and running at 877-757-9424. That's 877-757-9424. Call now. Our first caller gets to be the contestant at 877-757-9424. Here's the deal. I have uh, a few secret hidden things I like to do during the game show segment i just don't like to tell people about them so if you could keep this between us i would be grateful to you but number one we like to teach the faith we like to look for teachable moments in the questions where you might learn something you didn't know before and how cool would that be right praise be to god something to show off later today at the school or 
the office. And then, of course, we like to have fun with our callers, and they tend to be really good sports, and we enjoy laughing along with them, so God is still very good. And then we give out prizes, which means this is a winner for everybody involved, right? Because you might win some cool stuff. And But here's the kicker. If you're just joining us and you're trying to figure this whole out, on Fear and Trembling, the catch is we don't ask the caller our trivia questions. Nope. They don't even need to know the answers to win our game. Instead, I will ask Janice and I will ask Adrian. One of them will be right and the other will be wrong. And the caller will have 15 seconds on the clock to make a decision. Whom do they trust more? Do they trust Janice or Adrian? And then every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Now, praise be to God. Our prize sponsor this week is Blessed Friends Forever. It's a family-owned company out of Sugarland, Texas. And they have generously given to us a $50 value prize pack of the Sacred Heart of Jesus and Immaculate Heart of Mary pillow dolls, which uh, we've had in our family. We love them. They're awesome. They're pra- uh, Especially if you have little ones, praise be to God. Uh, these pillow dolls are amazing. Now, these are saint pillow dolls, and they're made from an original design uh, by a Catholic mom, uh, Maria, on premium cotton fabric measured approximately nine and a half inches. They are saint plushes that are the perfect size for any use and comes with a free prayer card and uh, with the saint pillow doll. The uh, uh, you can check them out on Instagram, by the way. If you go to Instagram.com forward slash Blessed Friends Forever, you can find them there. That's Blessed Friends Forever. But also, they're available on Etsy. So that's the deal. That's the deal. So thank you very much, Blessed Friends Forever. So I'm looking over at the team. Uh, Adrian is trying to work on the phone system with Janice, and they're trying to get the caller all set up. So we're going to have to give them a moment to do that. But here I have three questions. Uh, all three of these questions are official Catholic trivia questions. And uh, I think today, I'm going to read them real quick. Let's see. Uh, da, 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 da. I think today is all easy question uh, Thursday. I think today is all easy question Thursday. And now I have a caller on the line from Buffalo, New York. Maureen, good morning to you. Thanks for being a part of our program. Maureen, are you there? Maureen, Adrian, can you put her, put her on? Maureen, good morning to you. Good morning, Joe. How are you? Uh, praise be to God, I am alive. And that counts. What a blessing to be on this this, talk, this game show. Praise That's be to funny. God. Buffalo, New York. I have been there on a number of occasions. Very beautiful place and beautiful part of the world. Uh, what church do you go to? Sacred Heart of Jesus in Bowmansville. Nice. Praise be to God. Uh, now, have you been listening long? Do you, do you understand the rules and the trickiness of the game? Yes. Yes, I do. And do you do you have any opinions about Adrian or Janice? <laughs> yeah, Adrian can be sneaky. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I, I think I'll be okay if, if the question's in French. Oh, really? You speak French, Maureen? No, I don't. Oh, darn. <laughs> I'm going to give all my answers in French today. I was hoping for a just grade for of Adrian's Saint of the Day uh, performance. That no, would be amazing. Just for the record, I'm everything is going to be in French. And the... <laughs> All the answers. All right, Marie. Praise be to God. Tricky Adrian. Now, let's see how he does today. Are you ready to play? Yes, I am. Here we go. We go with Janice first, as is our custom. Janice, are you ready? Yes. Are you sure? Yes, 100%. Are you sure? Yep, positive. Janice, can you tell me what Old Testament hero's strength was his hair? What Old Testament hero's strength was in his hair? That's how I should have read it. Samuel. 
So Samuel, Samuel. was known for the mm-hmm. uh, his wisdom mm-hmm. and the strength of his hair. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Samuel. Mm. Mm-hmm. Adrian, can you tell me what Old Testament hero's strength was in his hair? Yes, that would be Samson. Samson with, you know, Delilah, the whole, the whole story. The whole story mm-hmm. of Samson and Delilah. Yeah. That's your answer. Okay. Well, not the whole story's answer. Samson's uh-huh. the answer. Samson's the answer. Okay. Uh, here's the deal, Maureen. Uh, Adrian seems to think it's Samson, uh, whereas Janice says it's Samuel. Starts with an S, apparently. 15 seconds on the clock. Who was right? Who was wrong? What say yes, you, Maureen? I know it's Adrian. What? Wait, could you say that again? Out loud? Time? Publicly? Oh, you oh there this? we go. Did you hear that? She said Adrian. If you're right, you're right. Ouch. <laughs> Marie, there are certain things we do not admit publicly, and this is one of them. Okay. When you're right, you're right. Yeah. Now, right, I love right. Samson's my one of my favorite characters of the Old Testament, Judges. Probably because I think lot I relate to him the most. He's he's strong. He's mm. he's a man's man. He's got right. a thick, full head of hair. I just uh-huh. love that. I finally felt like somebody I can relate to in scripture when mm. I read about him. Because he got his saying? hair cut off. Um, no. Anyway, oh. good job, Marine. You're in the cup. Praise be to God. You 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 could win this week. That's great. But let's see if we can't let's see if we can't double your chances. Now this next one could be a little tricky. It could be. It could be. Adrian, can you tell me? Yes. What is the only relic which receives a genuflection when exposed? The only relic. The only relic that receives a genuflection when exposed. That would be the veil of Our Lady. Really? Yep. Wow. Okay. Hmm. Janice, can you tell me, what is the only relic which receives a genuflection when exposed? That would be the relic of the true cross. Wow. That's a tough choice. Mm-hmm. Mm, okay, so, Maureen, tricky business here. Janice seems to think it's the relic of the true cross, whereas Adrian says it's the relic of the veil of Our Lady, the only relic to receive a genuflection. What say you? 15 seconds on the clock, Maureen. I, I am going to go with Janice. Are you sure? Well... <laughs> There you go. Wow, Adrian giving it away easy this yeah, time. Trying, trying to trick her. <laughs> no, I was just wanting to see the confidence. That's all. Disaster. Good, good well, job. Well, I mean, you only bow to Christ, right? That's right. Good principle mm-hmm. to apply there. Well done, Maureen. Yeah, the true relic of the cross is the only one we venerate. And uh, I, I've been blessed last many Good Fridays to venerate a relic of the true cross. So God is so very good. Uh, we also we have one in our parish. So How wonderful. Awesome. Praise be to God. All, all right. You're in for two. It could be three. Uh-oh. I think this next one's pretty easy, though. This is the honest. hardest one. No. Easily. No. Don't listen to him. Okay. Here okay. we go. Back to Janice. Mm-hmm. Janice, mm-hmm. what is the term for an appearance of someone either by vision or by bodily manifestation that is permitted by God. So what is the term for an appearance of someone either by vision or bodily manifestation that is allowed by God? What do we call that? So when someone has a manifestation of God, that's called Mm -hmm. a visionary. Oh, a visionary. Mm -hmm. Okay. So like the shepherd children. Yes. At Fatima. So it's it's a visionary given to one by God. Got it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Adrian, how about you? Can you tell me what is the term for an appearance of someone, either by vision or by bodily manifestation, that is permitted by God? I would say visionaries have apparitions. 
Visionaries have apparition. The answer is an apparition. Oh, the answer is the apparition. Okay. Wow. Tough choices here. So, uh, Maureen, here's the deal. Adrian says the answer is apparition, whereas Janice says visionary. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Adrian Marie. is apparition. Wow, you sound like you're you're I, not so sure. I, I think the answer, you, you have to say you Adrian is correct. I think that's the proper form of it. No, Our Lady of Fatima was an apparition. There you go. Are you sure? She sounds sure to me. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, that wasn't tricky, was it, Marie? That was pretty easy. No. I, that, that was the hardest question we've had no. all week. That was the hardest question we've had all week. Come on. <laughs> Yeah, praise be to God. In fact, mm-hmm. it is the apparition. By the way, w- I failed to uh, to uh, to acknowledge uh, the anniversary of Our Lady of Fatima, October 13th yesterday. I take no blame and all the credit. And no mm-hmm. one called me out on that. I'm just curious. Are there any Catholics out there? Hmm. Oh. You're supposed to hold me We're accountable. We're all too busy praying the rosary. Yes and amen. Praise be to God. <laughs> What's on your agenda today, Maureen? Well, I'll tell you this weekend, if you could give... Keep my grandson, Joseph Anthony, in your prayers. He's being baptized on Sunday. Wow. He's one month, one month old. My third grandchild. Yes. Praise be to God. Congratulations. And his name was what again? Anthony? Joseph Anthony. Joseph Anthony. I love it. Praise yes. be to God. We are going to be Joseph praying for... Yes. Yay and amen. Praise be to God for uh, Joseph Anthony for becoming a Christian. And holy baptism. Maureen, God love you. Thank you for your time today. We're going to put you on hold. We're going to get your phone number in case it be God's will, but we appreciate your time. All right, that's going to do it for the radio side. If you can join us in the after show, we're going to ask the deep theological question What's better when you're sick, soup or steak and potatoes? I already know the answer, but I just want to know what you think the answer is. And you can share that with us in any other question you want in our after show on the live video feed. Go to grnonline.com forward slash cdt. That's grnonline.com forward slash cdt. God Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Praise be to God in all things. Welcome to the uh, after show of Catholic Drive Time, where we get a little bit more casual about our conversation. We talk about whatever it is that's on your heart, your mind. You get to uh, drive that conversation. So here's the deal. If you've never commented before, let me encourage you to comment for the first time. We like to lavish love on our first-time commenters. Praise be to God. But you can literally ask us anything, and we'll, we'll try to comment about it, have a conversation around it one way or the other. All you got to do is leave it in the comments. And, uh, and if you're a first-time commenter, be sure to tell us where you're from. We'd love to know where our first-time callers or commenters are from. Praise be to God. So uh, with that said, James Allen Mallory is hanging out with us on our website. Uh, praise be to Jesus. Good to see you, James. Thanks for hanging out with us today. I see uh, Buddy Canine and Ubi oh, hanging out on Facebook, as well as uh, Christopher Chance, Jesus Robles. Patty was here, of course, always in the first hour. Michelle Vaughn, good morning to you. Mary Barone, good morning to you. Joaquin, praise be to Jesus, good morning to you. Thanks for hanging out with us. 
Don's here. Marine is here. Josh is here. Sonia is here. Susan Weber. Praise be to God. And then uh, who's on YouTube? Let's see. On YouTube, we have our a lot of our usual suspects. Uh, I mean, sorry, sorry. Listeners. Yeah. Uh, Jeff is on with us. I'm assuming Jeff and family. Good morning, Jeff and family. Clarissa is on with us. Colin. Alberto. Are you a new commenter, Alberto? Let me know. We'll get back to you. Uh, let's see. Madeline is on from our Spain. Spain. Right? Uh, it's two, o- 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock, 2.30. It's about 2.30 in Spain. Or I guess 14 o'clock in Spain. Uh, Tammy is on with us. Praise be to God. Alberto. Uh, are you a first-time commenter? I'm tempted to say you are, but I'm not certain. Let me know. Um, Lori Powell is here. Praise be to God. Did we miss you, Lori? I must have missed you somehow. I'm sorry about that. Didn't mean to. Didn't mean to. Uh, I, I love having Buffalo on the phone today. That's fun. We don't get a lot of Buffalo callers, so I, I love that. Um, even Mary was like, yay, ba- Baumansville. Is that how you say that? Did she say Baumansville? You're asking the wrong person. Uh, she went to Mary Barone says she went to Bowmansville Elementary, but it's closed now. Yikes. I also know Father Lucas, the pastor at Sacred Heart. That's wonderful. How wonderful is that? How cool. Praise be to Jesus. Buffalo. Have you ever been to Niagara Falls? I haven't been anywhere. Oh, it's gorgeous. It's really amazing, Niagara Falls. I got, the last time I was in Buffalo, I was speaking at the Buffalo Catholic Men's Conference. This was Bowmansville. Thank you. Susan, uh, this was probably mm, three years ago now. I think I was there three years ago, maybe maybe four. No, I think it was three three years ago, and I got to stay. It was in the winter, and I got to stay at a hotel on the river just upstream from Niagara Falls, and it was freezing cold outside, and I left the window, the, the, the sliding door to the porch open, uh, all night long, and it furrows my room out. It was amazing. I loved it. But to wake up and see icebergs floating downstream headed towards the falls, that was so cool. I really loved it. It was amazing. I had a great time up there. Uh, let's see. Johnson Moore, are you a new commenter? Praise be to God. Where are you from, Johnson? Let us know. I'd love to know. On YouTube, Nathalie, 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 uh, Mendoza. Are you a new commenter as well? Good morning. I think we have a lot of new commenters. I think we should uh, welcome everybody yes. just in case. Yay, if you're yay, not yay. a new commenter, let us know. Tell us uh, how we made a mistake here. And uh, yeah, so let us know. Are you a new commenter? Praise be to God. Good morning to you. Amen. Yes, thank you for commenting for the first time. We love it. Tell us where you're from, too. We like to know where everybody's from. Praise God. Just so you know, if you are new to the Catholic Drive Time after show, it's very, it's very casual. The after show can go in any direction whatsoever. If you have a comment or a question, you want to talk about something, you put it in the comments and we try to chime in. And the conversation can literally go in any direction. So you get to steer that. But if you fail to put comments in, then we talk about movies and food. Okay, that's how that so works. So please put comments in. So speaking of which, straw poll, uh, who eats what when you're sick? Uh, I don't, why do people eat soup? When they're sick, is it because the stomach just has a hard time digesting heavier foods and so liquids are easier? Is, is that the thing? Like, what is it about chicken soup that people are attracted to during during uh, sick times? I'm not a personally attracted to chicken soup at any time at all, ever. Um, I eat it as penance when my wife makes it. Not because she makes bad chicken soup, just because I don't like it. Um, I think the best medicine for, for health is probably uh, steak and potatoes. I'm just saying, just saying. Um, 
Maureen said, uh, let's see, let me go back. No, Clarissa, my, my mistake. Clarissa said, caldo is better when sick, but if I'm not sick, I'm, it's just not feeling enough for me to want to get, eat just soup. <laughs> yeah, caldo uh, is essentially Mexican chicken soup. Uh, Clarissa also said, third trivia question. I was thinking the answer was theophany, but maybe I didn't hear the oh. question right. Well, theophany is specifically. Be, well, hold on. What, let's, let's ask the question, guys. What do you think theophany means? Okay. Hmm. Don't see. Google it, though. Don't cheat. I see you cheating out there. Don't do that. Uh, that's a great question, Clarissa. We, that should be, a, that should be a, a trivia question. What is a theophany? Uh, that would be a good mm. question. It's not the easiest question. It's, and can you give an example of a theophany in the Old Testament? <sighs> I love that. That'd be awesome. Sci-Fi Mike says he doesn't get sick. Ever? Sci-Fi Mike? You don't ever get sick? That used to be the case for me. I get sick at least once a year now. I guess old age. Josh Patterson says broth-based soups are alkaline, so they're not going to upset the stomach as acidic foods do. It's easy to consume. I figured that was the case. It's not an excuse, though, however, to not eat steak and potatoes. What is an excuse to not eat steak and potatoes is my checking book. <laughs> There's that. Uh, though I don't have a checkbook. Uh, <laughs> you don't have a checkbook? Nobody, like, nobody uses checks nowadays. We do. We still use them. For what? Uh, tithing mostly. Oh, okay. Well, it's just easier than going to the yeah. ATM. There, like that, that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> like everything can be paid on card now. Uh, so. It's sad, isn't it? I mean, I you know, I included that uh, news story from the G7 officials about digital currencies because they are trying to push digital currencies, which is an effort to subvert cryptocurrencies. And because digital currencies they have control over, cryptocurrencies they don't because they're decentralized by default, by nature, right? So that's a very concerning thing. So as the world goes more digital, less paper checks, paper money. Well, are we going to find ourselves in a situation like in China where they have complete control over their citizenry uh, from a social perspective? That's my fear anyway. Mm. Yes, Giselle says faith, direct, auto pay. Yes, I know, I know. But we give different amounts each week, so it just depends how many, how many collections there are for what, you know, that kind of thing. Theophany, Christopher Chance says, Theophany is when God directly appears on earth, such as the book of Job. Is that a true answer? That is a true answer. The, uh, or, more, more specifically, specifically... Yeah, so more specifically is uh, a God revealing himself directly to a person. In the Trinitarian form. Uh, not necessarily. The, Theo, there's a hint to the Trinity in the appearance. Not, that's not necessary to the definition of the word theophany, though, because the, the word theo literally just means God, and then uh, f- f- the suffix phani refers to like a revelation, a revealing. So it's just a self-revelation of God. Um, oftentimes, yes, it is a reference to the uh, revelation of the um, the Trinity, the Holy Trinity in the Scripture. But, like, for instance, if we were walking in the street and all of a sudden, if you're an atheist and all of a sudden God appeared to you and said, I'm real, that would be a theophany. Because God had revealed himself directly to the person to show that he is real. Old so Testament. Old Testament, Clarissa. Old Testament. Give me an example. He gave, uh, Christopher gave Job. I'm thinking of another one, a famous one off the top of my head, though. But there are several that you could choose from in the Old Testament, I wonder. Uh, Sci-Fi Mike says it's pro- he doesn't get sick probably because of what he eats when he's healthy. He says at least it's been a very long time. By the way, Sci-Fi Mike is over at Odyssey, hanging out with us on Odyssey today. Good morning to you, Becky. Praise be to God. Good morning to you. 
Thanks for hanging out with us. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, Lori says, Sci-Fi Mike must take zinc, vitamins D, and C. You know, it's funny about that. My wife is huge and all that stuff, and so we, we're big vitamin takers at our place. Buddy said, Moses burning bush. That is a theophany. Yeah, that's a good yep. one. Um, uh, but when I had COVID last time, my wife was cranking on the vitamin C, and mm-hmm. uh, I was rebelling against her <laughs> by the, by like the second or third day. I had had so much vitamin C that I was just like I couldn't stand the taste of it in my mouth. It was like uh, I just couldn't have it anymore. <laughs> but it, it's what gets you through. I mean, that's what keeps you out of, out of the hospital and out of hot water. That's so, funny. Yeah, praise be to God. Vitamin C is awesome. Yeah, we also in my house we have vitamin D, zinc, yeah. um, all of that, and yeah. we actually uh, or I don't know if that's like. We Hydro- do B. hydroxy. Hydro- yeah, we got that too. too. We, yeah. my wife, my wife has uh, has got the cabinet. Yes, me too. Yeah, my my husband's the one that's really into all of the vitamins. He got he got me into all of that this past year. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see here. Praise be to God. Uh, Christopher Chan says Our Lady of Knock is also considered a theophany due to how nature reacted in response to the appearance of Our Lord, Our Lady, and Saint John the Evangelist. I suppose the apparitions where our Lord appears would be considered a theophany. Uh, Lori says, strawberries have vitamin C. Uh, I love strawberries. I like cherries better, which cherries are great for gout, by the way. So eat them by the, the wheelbarrow. That's what I say. I could eat blueberries and cherries by the wheelbarrow. It would be so easy for me. I love them so much. Um... I'm still thinking of another great example of the Old Testament of a theophany that nobody's mentioned yet. I, I wonder. Buddy says, I went. The burning bush of Moses? That was just mentioned, yeah. Oh, okay. There's another one that I'm thinking Jacob about. Jacob wrestling with the angel. Mm-hmm. Good one. Uh, Buddy says, I went to Buffalo to get to, a, to the a Buffalo Wings from the Anchor Bar that is the creator of Buffalo Wings. I've been there. When I was there last, I ate there. That place is packed with some cool memorabilia. Motorcycles in the front room there are just amazing. Mm-hmm. Wait, so Buffalo Wings was started at Buffalo, New York? New York, yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Cool. Uh, Let's see. Let's see. Who else has been to Buffalo? Anybody? Anybody? Isn't that where they have a Carmelite um, um, monastery for contemplative nuns? I know they have, I think they have a contemplative community out there. Oh, really? Mm Mm-hmm. Jeff Berger says, nope. I work for a bank, and paper checks never slow down, even though Uncle wow. Sam said they would. Really? That's fascinating to know. Because none of, almost none of my friends my age have checks. Well, that just means the next generation will be totally given over to the mark of the devil. I mean, uh, well, um, was that sure, out loud? Pretty Do, sure was when, that out loud? I got to work on that. I'm fairly I'm sorry. certain whenever checkbooks came out. Voice. That they were <laughs> said that checkbooks say are the mark of the devil because everyone has numbers I, assigned to them. I highly doubt anybody said that, but okay. I'm, like, I'm pretty sure whenever I was, no, uh, yes, stop. I'm going to go find it. Go I'm find, find it. it. Go find it. I, I only have one checkbook, uh, which I've had for over two years just because I rarely use it, but I only use it when I need to transfer large amounts of money yeah. um because I, other than that if i if it's something less than 500 then i do venmo or zelle yeah um but if it's over that um right. i use a check so i actually wrote a check yesterday so really yeah, I, I still Amazing. i still use checks <laughs> all right for carmen carmen you have uh, brought up the example that i have been thinking about abraham welcomes the three strangers yay and amen great example yes, praise be to an, god that is a theophany Tammy says, and what happens when you have to buy something 
but systems are down. Paper money is needed. Well, that happened during the ice the ice storm here in Texas. Yeah, it was right. it was pretty apocalyptic. I mean, I <laughs> not for us, but uh, okay. <laughs> well, I mean, I experienced it in a sense. Everything was shut down. I had wanted to go get some groceries and I couldn't because the um, the ATM and um, the checkout wasn't working. So I had to pay in cash and the ATMs weren't working. And yeah, it was pretty apocalyptic actually. Um, if you if you left your house during the ice storm and yeah. you went out to explore the city, there's it was nothing pretty apocalyptic. like a natural disaster to kind of wake you up to the conveniences of life, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, hurricanes here in the Houston area have reminded me of that on on at least two occasions. Plus, this last winter freeze that shut down practically all, it was very close to destroying the Texas electrical grid. It was so close. Um, but we were very prepared, praise be to God. We were we had no real problems. We were able to heat and have electricity with, with our solar generator and we had backup food storage. We we were we were perfectly fine and very comfortable. But there were many people who weren't and it was uh, an eye opener. When I remember when Hurricane Ike hit in 2008 and it was a wind storm that damaged the electrical grid here and we had no power for 13 days. You know, we weren't prepared for that. And I ran, it was in August, so it was super humid, and I ran an oscillating fan. I had one oscillating fan that I ran from an extension cord out to the driveway and idled my minivan all night long to give my wife and kids some relief to the heat and humidity um, to sleep at night. <laughs> and then we our food spoiled in the fridge because uh, we were not prepared. And uh, when the, as soon as the very closest first store opened, I ran over there to try to buy some food, and everybody was buying beer. I'm like, you people are awesome. You're just so awesome. Thanks for leaving the food to us because we're going to eat that. And then I, when I went into the HEB, the first HEB that opened up near us, the grocery store, we had to wait in line. They were only letting so many people in. So every time someone left, someone was allowed in. But once you were inside, it was like every man for himself. There was no order or mm-hmm. or organization. It was... You know, it wasn't violent, but at the same time, it felt a little intense because people were trying to grab all resources that mm-hmm. they could. And uh, it was a little crazy. And then I, I sat in a FEMA line for like an hour and a half. They gave me six bottles of water and a bag of melted ice mm-hmm. and no food. And I'm like, I'm done with this. No more. No <laughs> more. Of this. And I, 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 on day 13, I was like, I can't do this anymore. We're packing up. We're going to leave. We're going to go up north. I'll find us a hotel room or something. And then the power came back on. I was like, oh, thank you, Lord. Praise be to Jesus. So mm-hmm. ever since then, I've been a prepper uh, just to make make life so a little do, easier so for the family. So do you use a gas generator or a no, solar, solar power? Solar. Energy. Okay. Yeah. Because that's the other problem in the area, right? Gas generators are great, uh, but you need to put gas in them and almost uh, the last three big occasions that I've mentioned, Hurricane Ike, Hurricane uh, Harvey and the mm-hmm. and the winter storm in all three cases gas stations shut down and gas became harder to come by mm-hmm. although not as bad this last winter storm there were still places to buy it but in the hurricane situations gas pumps go quick and then they're out and then you're having to wait or you're waiting in line so I didn't want to deal with that I wanted solar for that reason and with the solar you can uh, re-energize it with the sun I'm assuming. Like yeah. every every time it's low it's, on battery. Yeah, I, I can't afford it. Takes three it. weeks, but you know, <laughs> no, the, <laughs> I can't afford the the nice big house solar generator. I don't have that kind of cash. What am I, Adrian Fonseca, for crying out loud? <laughs> no, I have a small little. 
a thousand watt solar generator. I have two hundred watt panels uh, worth of panels, and uh, we're able to keep our refrigerators up and running with that. Praise be to God. Power mm-hmm. lights, power. I mean, we watched those during the winter storm. We we watched a movie. We so I powered the internet and the television and the refrigerators, and we all sat and watched movies while the power was out. So it was great. <laughs> what um, what? Uh, so I'm actually in the market. What brand are you? Jackery. I love Jackery. Jackery. Ja- Jackery. Jackery focuses on the outdoor uh, community, um, which is why I bought it because it's very portable. It's got a great reputation. It works well. They have a they have a more power. I got the thousand watt, but they have a fifteen hundred watt. If I if I'd have known, like it came out right after I bought mine. Mm. Of course it did, right? I would have preferred to have bought that because with a fifteen hundred watt, you can actually run things like your coffee pot. You can run a microwave. You can mm. run a griddle. Uh, which would have been even nicer. But I have a camp stove. I can cook food on a fire. I can do all that stuff. And you stuff. bought it with the panels? I'm looking yeah. at their website. So I think I paid about 1500 bucks for my whole setup to include the panels. Mm. So, well, they just great. They came out with a 2,000-watt uh, one. <laughs> yeah, but, um, you can buy them huge. You can buy whole house generators, solar mm. panel generators. Uh, it just depends on how much money you got to spend. But it. I, it's a good... I think I paid a decent price for a very good product. I use it when I camp and hunt. I used it this past weekend. It works fantastic. Ran my refrigerator, ran, powered all my lights, and and my I ran a fan all night long while I was sleeping. Ran that, no problem. I love it, and it and it charges right back up. But it does take time. Like to Adrian's point, it doesn't happen instantly. You got to be able to charge that. And if the the sky is cloudy, it's going to take even longer to charge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can't uh, just pour in your gas. You nope. Sit there. You can't. And. Uh, Set a timer, and then about six to eight weeks, we'll be able to turn your fridge on. <laughs> you wish. Not even close. Uh, but the nice thing about the Jackery is it can charge and put out power at the same time. So you can be powering your stuff and receive charge at all at the same time. So that's kind of nice. I like that, too. Um, there was one other. Oh, the other thing is I like the fact that it's not loud, and there's no, there's no harmful emissions that come out of the generator. Because generators, you have to keep outside because of the, uh, the fumes, and they're very loud, obviously. So mm-hmm. I love the fact that my my little unit it makes zero noise except for when I'm I have like a heavy load on it. There is an internal fan that heats the components or cools the components, and so that runs. But it's like a it's like a fan. It's it's no big deal. Mm-hmm. So, so question: If hypothetically we were to have a nationwide EMF attack, mm-hmm. would solar generators still work? No. no. Okay. No, they would be gone. Unless mm-hmm. you protected them, those assets. Feral cage. In, in a what? Feral cage. Yeah. Um, so so what, Which what, your microwave is a feral cage, just so you know. So, but my, my, my jackery would not fit in my, in my <laughs> microwave. But, and you'd have to know ahead of time, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, what, what would not work or what would work during an EMF attack? An old mechanical. school a car that has no electrical component, no computer components yeah. to start mm-hmm. it up. So mm-hmm. only mechanical things. Yeah. Nothing electrical. Nothing electrical. It fries the boards. So like radio, television, internet. Yeah, gone. All of that gone. By the way, that's the other thing too. So we mm-hmm. our dependence upon digital technologies, right? We talk we started this conversation talking about digital currencies. Like during Hurricane mm-hmm. Harvey and Hurricane Ike, the phone systems were, were bombarded and then they suffered. So data mm-hmm. was impacted, your ability to text people. I remember texting went down during Hurricane Ike and I was like, this is crazy. I can't even text people. So we pulled out the old school radio and we're listening to the local radio station to get our news. Even during Hurricane Harvey, that was true. Um, less so than Hurricane Ike, but 
the more people that have to depend upon that technology, those things tend to crash, which means you can't rely upon them. Um, so I also invested in my my kit, uh, some uh, two-way radios uh, that have, are high-powered so that I can communicate with my family if I need to travel across the street or whatever. We have high-powered two-way radios to stay in touch because we can't count on these devices to work under those natural disaster conditions. Yeah, and I actually re- I read an article that said there is a, a predicted a solar storm uh, yeah. going to hit Earth That's sometime within the next 10 years. <laughs> yeah. And it and it specifically said uh, if the solar storm comes to pass uh, caused by solar flares, you know, whatever that is, um, it'll be an, a, a huge EMF attack on the world. And so I don't know. I've, I've read a lot of it's funny. I've read a lot of articles on EMF. Uh, attacks and solar storms the past year. All, what really you have to do is you'll have to build a feral cage and just leave your stuff in there. Mm. It's the only way to get around it. <laughs> yeah. How many of you will have one of those? How there, much are feral cages? You have to build them. Yeah, you have to build <laughs> you have one. To you build can't build buy one. You, well, you on, probably can, but it's actually not expensive. You got to go on YouTube like and figure out how to build them. Just, There's actually, my husband and I, we found a website where you um, they, come, they can EMF uh, proof your home and EMF proof your car. Um, but I think it's like worth like ten grand. To do yeah, that. Ultimately, though, trustful surrender in divine providence, right? One can one you know one has to be uh, finding the balance between being prepared for natural disasters or or whatever uh, crazy things, crazy times, crazy people, uh, and tr- total trust in God because God is not dependent upon grocery stores being available, EMP attack, you know, feral cages, or any of the rest in order to provide for you. You know, mm-hmm. his goodwill be done in all things. Um, that is, we have to, as St. Augustine would say, pray as though everything depends on God, act as though everything depends on us. So it's a, it's a balancing act. Mm-hmm. So I try to find that balance and not go too crazy. But like in a, in a situation, Josh's point, EMP attack happens, it's full Mad Max, won't even matter how prepared you are. I mean, to some degree, that's true. Mm-hmm. In an EMP attack, it... So society is now crumbled. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, uh, we like Hurricane Katrina, right? Hits New Orleans, and mm-hmm. many of the police force walk away from their jobs. They go back to their families because their families needed help. Yeah. So they mm-hmm. had to choose: Do I stay on my job and help the community, or do I go home and help my family that's dealing with with uh, flooding in the house? You mm-hmm. know. So many of those left, and then. You know, violence erupted, and then it was crazy things that were happening. Mm-hmm. Very crazy things were happening. Yeah. So it doesn't take a lot to upset the balance of the comforts and and uh, the pleasures that we get used to, to include the digital stuff on our phones, being mm-hmm. able to, you know, purchase stuff or transfer money or whatever. Yeah. You know, then it comes down to, uh, you know, in the worst case scenario, people say, buy gold, buy gold. Well, gold is one thing, but in natural disasters or worst-case scenarios, uh, bartering and trading of resources is probably more valuable than gold itself. Mm -hmm. Um, It's good that I have gold, but, you know, having resources that I can trade that someone else really values uh, more, that could mean a lot more. My ability to hunt, gather, and provide for my family, these are critical skills that I have been developing for a reason. And I think those skills are unfortunately lost now nowadays in our society yeah. with our, you know, everything For is sure. just so digitalized and we don't have practical skills of like farming and hunting and survival tactics that people are. People <laughs> don't even, under, people have, people have, I have, because I get approached every once in a while by 
Catholics or Christians who, who, who will throw at me, Joe, how can you kill poor innocent creatures in the woods when you can just go to the grocery store and buy it? And, you know, just think about this. I, I, that's been said to me on a number of occasions. It is insane how people have, dis, they have disconnected in their mind that the meat on a styrofoam tray with plastic covering is somehow not an animal. Like in their mind, they've convinced themselves that someone did not have to spill the blood of that animal and then butcher it up to provide it sanitized on a styrofoam plate that you can purchase, making it look all pretty and delicious. Like someone had to kill that animal. It's The blood is either on your hands or their hands, but someone's getting blood on their hands in order to feed your family. And in the hunting process, I think you grow a greater appreciation, or farmers, ranchers, they grow a greater appreciation, butchers, they grow a greater appreciation, homesteaders, about how meat is prepared, what goes into it, and how to get meat on the, how to get food on the table, whether it's plant or meat, and, uh, and provide for your family with good, healthy options. And um, people just have this disjointed, dis- disconnected image in their mind about, about how, mm-hmm. m- how food is prepared. They just expect, you know, the corporate world to provide for their needs. And golly gee whiz, with all the a- allergy problems we suffer, that's all food related, man. You know, mm-hmm. so there's lots of issues in our society. And in natural disasters, supply chain gets hit big. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. what do you do then? We should we should have a guest on about supply chain and just the overall. I don't know. I, I I saw an interview about that last night, and that's really interesting. How there's a supply chain um, like infrastructure that is being attacked right now and yeah. in decline. It's, that that is a very concerning story. Mm-hmm. The, I used to be an international supply chain uh, director. Um, I shipped goods from all over the planet on planes, trains, boats. Warehouses, trucks, the whole deal. And I remember mm-hmm. wa- uh, in a, a time when the Tacoma, Seattle, Washington port was backed up bad and how it impacted our supply chain and how I had to tell our clients that they weren't going to get their goods for months. Now you've got that happening in L.A., Tacoma. you got it happening in Savannah. We haven't heard about Houston yet, but I'm sure it's coming and we're already seeing the backups, as Tiffany Meyer said today on China, on our conversation about China. That's happening in China directly. This is the downside of giving your, the world's manufacturing over to a single country. And mm-hmm. we're seeing the great impact of that. So if you like certain things on the, on the shelves at the store, well, you might want to get used to not having those certain things because they may not be available. You're telling me. I went to the HEB yesterday and they had no Oreos. What? I was like, what I'm are done. Gonna do with I'm life? done. I'm moving to Canada now. <laughs> Forget it. It was actually kind of, it was actually really weird because at the grocery store at HEB, they had um, like randomly some shelves would just be completely empty. Like, yeah, there'd be normal stuff. Everything's there. Then all of a sudden, like nothing. And then now everything's normal. Everything's normal. And then it's just so particular items. So like all the Oreo brand, like everything gone, nothing there. But Chips Ahoy was there. You're going to go get, you're in the pip, you're in the popcorn section. And they have like popcorn, but all the kettle corn's like gone. No kettle gone. corn. See None, ya. Nothing. Bye. Went to the frozen food section. Mm-hmm. Like they have like the frozen pizzas are there. You and no taquitos. Nothing. Nothing. No frozen. Uh, none of it. I was like, what the, like, why is it? That's super weird. Yeah. Like it's just like particular mm-hmm. things. So it's like, right. It was so strange to me. I was like, why are certain things gone? Why is it not like, like the whole category? It's like particular items. It was yeah. very weird. You know who's who's brilliant 
at Me? at uh, disaster relief and supply chain logistics, Walmart. Unbelievable mm. how good they are at adjusting to natural disasters. Their supply chain management system is a state of the art. Um, they really? they react to storms. They track storms. They track all the natural disasters, and they adjust their uh, supply chain accordingly. And they are able to uh, to do amazing things that uh, the government could only dream about. Lori, I'll be over at your house later. What's Lori got going? She says she has packages of Oreos in her freezer. What? <laughs> I'll be there in that's about see, an hour. That's better than gold, right? It's more valuable than even gold in natural disaster situations. I don't know how we got onto this subject. Good grief. How did we waste this whole time talking about natural disasters and prepper? It was supposed to be theophanies. It was about theophanies, and we <laughs> we took a turn somewhere. That's what you get in the after show. That's how it goes. But uh, God bless you. God love you. Thank you for joining us today. We are going to, uh, let's see, tomorrow our guest is Brenda Lorena Garcia. She is a stunt woman in Hollywood. We're going to talk about her living her faith there. The difficulties of living a good Catholic life in the midst of the chaos and immorality of community and society. That's coming up tomorrow morning. Join us. Tell a friend, too. We'd be grateful to you. God bless you. God love you. I'll get a CDT Insider email out later as well. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday.